With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the 1871 podcast. And on this episode, we are counting down our top five influential people in Reading's history. And this episode completes our Reading FC Top 100 series. So far, Johnny and I have chosen our 25 favourite Reading players each, our top 10 games, our top five seasons, and our top five managers. So if my math is correct, that adds up to 45 each. And our five choices each for most influential people in Reading's history completes at Reading FC top 100. So it's 50 each, albeit some of them were the same. So we chose the same top manager, etc. But we've we've had this will mean we've had 50 each, which adds up to 100. My math is good enough to know that at least. <laughs> um, so before we start, uh, just a, another heads up about the guests coming up this week. So tomorrow, we've got former Reading defender Andy Bernal as our guest. Um, Thursday, we've got Reading women's defender Liddy Woodham as our guest. And on Friday evening, our guest is another former Reading defender, Limvoy Primus. Um, And all of those episodes are available anytime after six o'clock. And going back to our Reading FC Top 100 series, all of those episodes and, and all of the Series two episodes are still available to watch on YouTube or to listen to wherever you get your podcasts. So if you want to uh, have a look back at our Steve Koppel episode, Marcus Hanneman, etc., you can do that. Um, so those are the guests coming up. Um, Johnny, just want to ask you a couple of things, a couple of developments this week. Um, yesterday, the season ticket price rise was announced. Mixed reaction. Some people yeah. sign... Well, you know, it's less than inflation. Some people are saying it's outrageous. What are your thoughts? A bit of both, really. I think timing, timing is never good, is it? I think when there's been, um, you know, a tough end to a season and 
not much said afterwards. And I get that people want some from the owners. The owners don't speak because that's, that's their choice. Um, and then, you know, as I said before, you know, certain players, a few players come out and said anything, but you know, the captain hasn't. Uh, yeah, those things like that mean a lot to fans. You know, it's communications that important in life, full stop. But in, you know, in this kind of tough times, and then bang, <laughs> you get the, the email about the season ticket prices and trying to make it all look good about, you know, I don't know, with the video of coming against penalty and us missing the penalty at the playoff final. I don't know how that sells season tickets, but hey, um, it is what it is. I, you know, they're, they're, to be fair to Reading over the years, they have kept season ticket prices um, the same or low. I think this is the first increase I think they've had for a while. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, I think somebody pointed out that over, over a season, it's a small amount, but when people are on budgets for themselves, every penny hurts, you know, and that's that's where people feel like it's just an, another kick for being a yeah, Reading fan, you know. It's um, the the price of, of food is going up, the cost mm. of living is going up. We all we all know some of the reasons why the war in Ukraine, all that sort of thing. Uh, but Reading had that choice to make. That's what they've decided to do, and. Uh, I've just had an announcement that my rent's gone up this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you and go. It is, it, everything's going up, and it, it, it's yeah. you know, and people, are, you know, maybe people's wages aren't going up, or if you know yeah. you're on a, on a limited budget, it's, it's tough. It's another thing for people to worry about. And, you well, know, Johnny, sometimes, yeah, Johnny, you said everything's going up. Let's hope so. Yeah, including... yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's it. That's hopefully. Be but good. I think I think you know it's um, you know football is an outlet for a lot of people, be included. Yeah. I'm sure yourself, you know. And, that escapism or just, you know, catch up with people is huge. And if you now got to factor in extra costs for that. And then, and then, you know, on top of that, it's also as well with all the travel, isn't it? You know, people you know, get trains and petrol and, you know, it's not an easy time for people, but you know, that's, yeah. that's the hard part of it, but um, it is what it is. And we'll see, see how that pans out over the next few, few months. And another thing, I don't know if you know, Johnny, but um, People will want to get the new shirt with if there's new players coming in, get the name on the back, that sort of thing. So that that's always a cost. Um, yeah. Do, do we? I, I can't. I don't really know the answer to this question. Maybe you can help. Do, do the the cost of the the shirts and that sort of thing? Do they normally go up every year? I don't really know. To be honest, it has been. I think yeah, it's been going up gradually. I think. Yeah. Um, I remember the old days. You know, we used to have a shirt change maybe every two seasons, and it's about forty quid. Now I think it's about sixty. Uh, um, but you know, people, young families, you times that cost by four. You know, for they want the shirts, but I know we're not doing great. But kids still love, you know, want to be their idols and they want to be Andy Carroll and they want to be whatever. And the shirt costs and the kit costs and all that. It's a lot of money. Um, and like you know, next, we haven't got any players, so we'll have to have new names in the back of the shirts next season. That's it. Right? Here's a, here's a question: Does it make a difference if you get Andy Carroll with uh, a, a single number on the back? Is that less than if you get two numbers? I actually think it, I think it is done by the letters and different things. The Kelvin El Hibitarian, our favourite, was a lot of letters. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if it's set pricing for, for the players' numbers and whatever. But you know, people get the patches and all those kind of things. And um, yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 the cost of living, cost of football, cost of life at the minute is is yeah. huge, and that's just another one to factor in, isn't it? Which is hard. So, are you saying you hope we don't sign any players with double-barrelled surnames? Is that what? what well, I keep, I keep Guinness more. Walker. Guinness Walker's good. Yeah. One. I like that one. Um, Deckard Dover Reed. We could sign him. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah. on the back, but there's a, there's a Reading one for Cas, Cas, for, uh, Forster Caskey. There you go. That'd be that'd be a, a link to the past, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a few more out there. Yeah. So um, anyway, a bit more of a development. We're still waiting for an announcement on the the new Reading manager. Who that's going to be? We don't know when that's going to be. We we think it will be relatively soon. That would make sense, but. We don't know. Well, I did say on that, Mark, I saw on the website when they, they talked about the uh, season tickets, you'll get to meet the new manager the 2nd of June. So they... Oh, OK. <laughs> I didn't see so, that. that. Yeah, it was on the on the spiel. I read it yesterday that it was, you know, it's a benefit of a season ticket holder. You get to meet the player and do this. And you get to meet the manager on the 2nd of June. I hope that <laughs> that works out because it could be a bit embarrassing. Isn't it? Yeah, well, maybe um, maybe that's why they're paying extra then. For the season tickets. Yeah, who knows? Um, so, anyway, the manager situation. So that sounds like a new manager will be confirmed by June the 1st, which is what, about two weeks away, isn't it? Yeah, which we kind sometime, of would hope in, weren't we, anyway? Sometime in the honest. next two weeks. And, and I think uh, players are, are back. Is it uh, first week of June or middle of June? I, I'm not sure. Yeah, so I think it's, they usually have like a six week break, don't they, for the... Yeah, the summer and then back. So you're looking, what? Yeah, middle of June, maybe I'm guessing. But also and then pre-season sort of friendlies in July. And... Also, a, a manager will want to get new players in for for yeah. then. So um, could be this week. We don't know. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So we're actually recording this yesterday, which doesn't make any sense saying that now. But um, we're recording this on. Monday evening, so it's going out on Tuesday, which by the time it goes out is tonight. So um, that's why that's why the season ticket prices were announced today, as in Monday. But as of when the episode goes out, it happened yesterday. And that's so, been so good getting it right saying yesterday as well. Yeah, so that's why we get confused. We, we try and pretend that we're recording it on the day sometimes. But anyway, yeah. so... Um, yeah, there you go. So the, the the reason for saying that is by the time this goes out, this might be irrelevant because we might know who the manager's going to be. But um, as things stand, Chris Wilder is still the favourite. Um, we said that someone was going to come up um, a, as a new name, as one of the favourites, and that's happened this week um, already. Luke Williams, Notts County manager, um, and Danny Cowley as well is... Um, Currently joint second favourite with Luke Williams, so Danny Cowley, ex-Portsmouth. Um, Johnny, we've we've talked about Chris Wilder. What do you think about Luke Williams? Just, just one promotion through the playoffs with, with Knox County. Obviously, they had that ding-dong battle hmm. with um, Phil Parkinson's Wrexham. I think they ended up with 107 points, didn't they? And still didn't yeah. go up automatically. Um, Luke Williams, if, if he's announced as the new manager, how would you feel about that? I, I I don't know too much about him to be honest. I won't I won't lie that uh, he's not you know he's done well with Notts County. Again, would you want to leave a club like that with you know jumping into a big pot ring possibly? But he's just got them back into a league. Maybe he sees that as a work in progress. There, he's on, you know it's it's so hard to say. I think anyone that gets into the headlines all of a sudden becomes a candidate for a job, don't they? It becomes like you said before, like you know. The, the, betting thing somebody mentions his name and he puts the bets and all of a sudden they're second favourite, third favourite, whatever. 
Um, I, I I think he's managed in the leagues, isn't he? Previously, from from my memory, um, don't know how successful he was. But yeah, I, past history doesn't doesn't matter. I don't think it's about the right person. I did see him scootering down the middle of a road about midnight. I think some celebrations for, for Notts County. So was that yeah, anybody near the Oracle though? <laughs> it could have been it's a midnight entry into the Oracle. One of a different way of doing it. But yeah, yeah I don't I don't know, and I. I it's it's so hard to be. You can have any any random names being mentioned at the minute. I'm, yeah, I, and I'm kind of like, we just need to. It just needs to be done soon. I think we just need to put yeah. speculation. We're no, we're not. It doesn't help anyone. We know. We're, yeah, we're knowing yeah. the next. We're knowing the next couple of weeks. I think by possibly by the end of next week, possibly by the end of this week, we we don't yeah. know. Um, the other, what was the other thing I was going to mention? Uh, it will come to me any any second now. Um, it's gone. Anyway, never mind. So um, last night we had Brian Teverden on, the former technical yeah. director. We actually had him on earlier today, but he's <laughs> giving is... it away now. I know I messed it right up, haven't I? So um, I was going to—I think I was going to say something about the manager then, but it's gone. Uh, can't have been that important. But um, yeah, Brian Teverden really enjoyed that. So thanks, mm. to you, Johnny, for organising that. No, no, it's Jason, um, Jay, friend of mine, Jason, managed to yeah, Jason. Jason Treby, is it? Yeah, yeah, it sounds so, you know. That, so we don't, we, really do, nice we have to do a bit of networking sometimes, don't we, to get these guests on. But um, oh, yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed that. He, he spoke about Ron Gourlay. We were always going to ask him about that, uh, how he really felt about him, um, how he felt when he left, basically because of Ron Gourlay, had enough. So he left. And then two two months later, Ron Gourlay left. And um yeah, asked him about that, but he, he said, "Look, you don't you don't know at the time." So no. Um, nah. And then the revelation exclusive. Um, he revealed that he tried to sign Eric Ten Hag as Reading manager. Yeah. Imagine that. And we didn't. Have, we had, didn't have three hundred thousand to spare then, and we wasted one hundred ninety yeah. million since. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> yeah, that is a bit ironic. So look, um, I, I think my what I, whatever it was I was going to say, I still can't remember. So let's get on with. Yeah. Our, top five influential people in Reading's history. And again, we like to do our um, who just missed out from the list. So I'll, I'll start with mine. So basically, this is, uh, as the name suggests, uh, the, the kind of headline, the title of, of this episode, top five influential people in Reading's history. So it's who's, uh, you know, who's made a significant impact on the club, the development of the club, etc. So um, the following names didn't make it onto my list, but I do think they've had um, a significant impact on the development of the club. One of those is, is Alan Pardew. I think he came in and um, I think he had a particular kind of formula, particular style as manager. Um, I, I think he was instrumental in um, building some foundations for what was to, to come after he left. Yeah. Um, and obviously he went on to West Ham, didn't he? Did, uh, did well after Reading as, as a manager. Um, another one that didn't make it onto my list was Morris Evans. Again, I think he was influential. Um, you know, had a had a great Reading team, put a, a great Reading Reading team together in in the late seventies, early eighties, and then um, you know the success continued with with Ian Bramford, who's the next name. That, that didn't make it onto my top five influential people. The reason I mentioned Ian Bramford is because um, 
he showed that if you find a way to be effective and you find solutions, you can be successful. He certainly did that. Um, the the other one, I definitely considered putting him on my top five. Um, and I don't know who's on your top five, Johnny. This name may well be, is Nicky Hammond. Um, mm. The stuff he did with recruitment and bringing people into the club, um, I certainly would say falls into the category of someone who helped develop the, the club. Um, and then I don't know who this person is, but whoever appointed Catalyst, the performance consultants, uh, <laughs> may well have been somebody like Nicky Hammond. I don't, I don't know. But yeah. I think if you look at um, the way data is now in, in football and, um, you know, the not not really the money ball approach, but certainly yeah. a lot of a lot of data is available now. A lot of data is used um, to analyze performance and, and so on. So I think actually getting Catalyst in the performance consultants, I think that really really helped. And yeah. obviously, you know, that's the that period in Reading's history is been our, has been our most successful. So there are some of the names that missed out on my top five. How about you, Johnny? This has actually been really the hardest one for me. I, I'm, I'm, I know that I, we're going to go through this and I'm going to go, oh, geez, I forgot him or I forgot them. And I've been trying to think of, you know, not obvious ways, but different things that have gone on. And those, some of those names, Nicky Hammond, um, Morris Evans, you know, they were a couple that, well, one with the fly under the is um, Ron Grant. You know, as a, as a backroom person that knows the club so well and, did what he did without any kind of fanfare, but he, he he was kind of you know that one of those background people that that kept the club together and, and did a lot. Um, that you know I think you know you, you kind of all Reading's history is, is linked with certain certain people and, and even before then I was going to say the other one was Gordon Lee going back you know being the groundsman again you know played and and, and then did a, mag- a long term role at Reading. Um, you know, again, people that born after whatever age wouldn't know so much about them. But you know, that, trying to get down to five and trying to think is really hard because I think there have been so many influential people, isn't it? And through for such a long time, and again, going back before we were fans, I'm sure people would bring up people from the past, but we, you know, the only ones that we're kind of familiar with. But yeah, so I apologise to anyone if I've missed anyone. And it's because I'm going, I can't, I don't know. So, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm trying my best. And the top five yeah. names have changed and changed and changed and changed. Well, I, I'm, I'm pleased I'm pleased you mentioned Gordon Neat and, and people like Ron Grant because, uh, you know, I was I was thinking of him as well. Um, and younger Reading fans might not know this, but I certainly remember this, um, talking about Gordon Neat. Uh, this is really harsh on Gordon, but it's one of the things that I, I think it, he was the groundsman at the time. I can't even remember what season it was. It was in the mid eighties, I think, uh, and it was just before the the start of a new season. Um, I think Gordon Neat was was groundsman, and unfortunately, he didn't dilute the weed killer. Um, so <laughs> I the, remember the, that. All the grass went brown, um, <laughs> but that's that's a bit that that's a bit harsh on Gordon because he was a loyal servant to the club, um, and. Um, I don't think it was at the start of the 85, 86 season, but it was in, in the mid-80s. Yeah, yeah, it was. Definitely. 
remember. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, that's doing them a bit of a disservice, but certainly, um, you know, that's a memory of us supporting Red in the, in the 80s. The, um, the away team must have been a bit surprised when they turned up and, <laughs> and there's the grass. The grass was there. It's just a different colour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's start on our top five yeah. countdown. Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Johnny, you, I'll go first. I think you were first last time, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, who, who's your okay? Again, five? this this could be a sliding doors of top five. First one I've gone for is Roger Smee. Yeah, and it could be Roy Trainer as well, alongside him as his sidekick because of what they did um, back in back in the eighties to get the club away from Mister Maxwell, um, and then you know to be chairman. I think for the next uh, how many years before um, Sir John took over? I think. He oversaw, you know, a successful time in Reading's history, pretty much with the, you know, the, the uh, eighty-six season and then the Simwood Cup and all that. But he had a massive role in where the club is at now. Um, again, I know you might mention him or not. He could have been anywhere in the top five. That's how hard it is to kind of put in the position. But I certainly think his influence on keeping us as a club and then going on from there was huge. Um, you know, that's that's that was the number five for me. Um, without him, we wouldn't be here today. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, been the Thames Valley Royals podcast. Yeah, yeah, Ooh, it's anniversary. Not, not quite the Ooh. same ring to it, is it? No, I think I'm gonna lie down after that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so my top five, um, my number five is Steve Koppel because I just think he, you know, he oversaw as manager the greatest two seasons in Reading's history. Mm. 106 season, winning the championship. Um, and then the following season, those two seasons together, what he did as manager, um, in a way, was revolutionary because it was he, he was sort of the head of a really successful club. Uh, and he was the figurehead of that. Obviously, Sir John Medeski was... You know, um, for the for the club, but in terms of the the team uh, and the team behind the team, if if you like, and the recruitment of players like Kevin Doyle, Dave Kitson, Leroy Lita, um, you know, Inga Marson, Hanneman. Uh, I really enjoyed the story about how Marcus Hanneman was signed for Reading. Um, they just saw him <laughs> in a warm up, and they thought, yeah, that would do. But they had been kind of looking at him before then. But I, I just think. In terms of that word influence, um, you know, he, he oversaw the, the the team and he was, you know, he was the figurehead of, of all of those other people like Brian McDermott that, that were involved, Nicky Hammond as well, part of that team. So uh, I've got Steve Koppel as my number five in terms of an influential person in Reading's history. So that's my number five. Who's your number four, Johnny? He is Steve Koppel, <laughs> and for the same reason, like, I, for me, he represents, like you were saying, all of those managers and backroom staff that took us to where we did um, in two thousand five, six. It wasn't just him; it was, we, it was Brian McDermott. Brian McDermott could have been on this list as well. For me, maybe on yours, but that that you that squad of people starting, you know, Tommy Burns even blessed him to a lesser degree, you know, to start the new stadium. But then when Pards came in, Martin Allen. How it all developed, um, that that process 
and Nicky Hammond, like you were saying earlier, was again one of those unsung heroes. Was people, you know, we've never had a, you know, he did some amazing deals for this club, as in got rid of some players and how we how we got rid of the money we did, God knows, but the players we bought in. But you could see it was like we've had these guys on the podcast, you know, it was a process, it was a jigsaw. They knew what they were doing, they had a plan, and they, they you know, when when Pards left, Steve came in, developed it. Brian was there at the background when Brian came in. He took it, and you know, and that that's to me. Steve Coppel was just the the figurehead, like you said, of all that group of people that made this club special. Yeah, and so, that you know, Steve was just the icing on the cake. Yeah. So moving on to my number four, um, and the reason I've got him at number four in terms of an influential person in Reading's history is because without him. From what we hear from other people, um, you know, it it wouldn't have been as successful. And there's some key reasons why. It was Eamon Dolan. So Eamon Dolan, the way he developed the youth players, how highly respected he was thought of. Um, And I think that is one of the factors that's been missing in recent years. The Eamon Dolan factor um, sadly passed away. We've got the Eamon Dolan stand. But... He really kind of, people loved him. You know, we're talking about players that come up from the academy. Um, Noel Hunt has talked very fondly about him. Um, so he was, you know, a fantastic person, um, yeah. you know, a really lovely man. But actually what he did for Reading Football Club, um, I don't think he's an unsung hero, but he probably deserves a lot more credit and a lot more kind of song and dance in a way about how influential he was for Reading. So, um, you know, just well-loved, um, well-respected, um, missed. Um, players talk very fondly of him, Jem Karacham, people like that. So um, I, I think he had a big influence um, and he was a key part of such a successful period in Reading's history. So that's why I've put Eamon Dolan as my number four. So, Johnny, over to you for your number three. Uh, yeah, number three, I've gone actually Nigel Howe. And it, only, it really flashed up with me when we were speaking to Brian that when he left, things went pear-shaped. And again, uh, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an unusual character. I think he came back a couple of years ago for a while, didn't he? He came and stepped in. I, I think it was during COVID times um, in a role. But I think, you know, he he was the driving force and the quiet driving force of all that, all that good that we've talked about with the, the teams and the state and the move to the new stadium. Um and obviously he's a businessman, but he he was he was part of that team. Um I don't think he, he was quite quiet in that team. I don't really ever think you know he would be someone that would be out in the public eye singing and shouting how great he was. But he was kind of the nuts and bolts man for, for, for Sir John and, and, and the link between the teams. And, you know, if only we had, you know, had someone like that recently doing that job, you know, and that, that from what Brian said the other day, was kind of, it brought it home to me. It's like, oh, geez, yeah, that's, that's somebody that was... Yeah, um, and Nigel Howe's not on my top five, but it's like you said earlier... Um, could have very easily have been for the reasons that you've just said. So I mentioned Nicky Hammond earlier, who yeah. wasn't on my top five, but um, I'd you know I'd include 
Nigel Howe on that. Uh, and actually, when we spoke to Brian yesterday, stroke earlier. <laughs> Today, uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Brian Severden, this is, um, you know, he, he kind of confirmed what a lot of Reading fans thought that, um, uh, you know, when Nigel Howe left, things started. That, that was the decline. I think you, you could possibly say, well, you know, that's the point when things started going really bad for Reading was yeah. after Nigel Howe left. Um, and then Brian left as well. And Ron Gourlay was CEO. And, mm. you know, um, and as Brian was, was saying on uh, yesterday's episode, recorded earlier today, <laughs> um, you know, Nigel Howe being replaced by Ron Gourlay, nah, yeah. didn't, didn't work. So, um yeah, Nigel Howe could have easily been on my top five as well. My number three, um, similar similar kind of reason in a way, is Brian McDermott. Uh, and the reason I say Brian McDermott, obviously manager to Reading back up into the Premier League. Yeah. I think he was a key part in, um, you know, supporting Steve Koppel, uh, the development and recruitment of players. You, you, you know, Kevin Doyle highlights what Brian McDermott did and and that team of people I think this is this is quite tricky this list because you know we're talking um multiple people kind of mm. as part of a team and and that that is why they were influential because they were a key part a key cog in yeah. in an effective team which led to success so Brian McDermott, Eamon Dolan, Nicky Hammond, Nigel Howe, etc. Um, but I just think Brian McDermott was was at Reading for a long time before he became manager. Yeah. Um, and just such, such a big influence. Um, and obviously Steve Koppel and the, the players got all, all the praise to John Medeski as well. But Brian McDermott deserves a lot of praise for what happened. You know when Steve Koppel was was manager as well, so that's why I've got Brian at number three. Um, who's your number two, Johnny? One you've already mentioned, Eamon Dolan. Again, like you know, we can quibble over second, third, fourth, and fifth. I, I think they are just influential people. That the Eamon, like you said already, like that you know his his influence on Reading was massive. The the, the you know what he did, the amount of academy players that he brought through that. Did well at Reading and and also other clubs moved on elsewhere, but everyone absolutely loved him, um, and he was someone that set the standards for the academy players to to, to work to and 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 was a, a, a magician at what he did, um, and and a, a, like you said, a lovely guy as well. On top of all of that, he was such a, a, a kind human being that made. Um, Help make the club what it is. You know, without those players coming through, you know, sell it the gems and the, geez, there's a list so long that you know they all say such nice kind things about me. Just wish he was still here. Would be you know at the sea. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's my number two. Uh, well, my number two, um, I'm I'm guessing might be your number one, Johnny, uh, and it would be the obvious choice. Inverted commas. Uh, my number two is Sir John Medeski, and there, there's a reason which I'll explain why he isn't number one. Uh, but Sir John Medeski, don't need to say too much about him. Uh, I'm guessing he's your number one, Johnny, but I'll, I'll let you do the big reveal. But um, yeah, he uh, 
you know, he came in at Reading and and just didn't just sort of change the club. He he evolved Reading in terms of identity, success, um, you know, what the what the club stood for. And I use that in the past sense because we've lost some of that now. Um, hopefully it's going to come back. But I don't think we'll ever have um, another club the same as we had with Sir John Medeski. Um, and if you think about not just the stadium, um, but just the way he run the club, yeah. we, we've got in our recent history a really good example. Brentford are doing something similar. Brighton are doing something similar. And Reading certainly uh, were a good example of of how to run a football club. Um, did it in the right way, and by that I mean, you know, Sir John Medeski ran it on um, good foundations, as if it was a business. So this is the budget; you can't go over the budget. Um, and then you had people like Brian McDermott, who knew. Everyone had a very clear vision, and that came from the top. That came from Sir John Medeski. So, people like Brian McDermott, Steve Coppel, they knew what budget they had. They knew what type of players they wanted. So, they identify players like Kevin Doyle, who are the right type of fit for Reading, and within budget as well. So, um, that all came from the top. That came from Sir John Medeski. Um, so. I'm guessing I know your number one is Johnny. So I hand no, over. No, no. This is this is this is the moment. Now I go. Oh, sugar, who have I missed? <laughs> you forget. Well, no, I, there's there's I one. Think, this guy just jumped out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think you. you've forgotten Sir John Medeski somehow. But go on. No, no, it's the one that you've got. And what I'm going. Oh, how did I think of that one? It come left field from my head. But yeah, no, John Medeski. I mean, it, it, for me, it was he was just you know it, it was that era of people that are in charge of our club, and they they they. You know, from him, like you say, you know, leadership comes from the top down, and it came from him to all the all the other people that we've mentioned. You know, Ryan, Steve, Pards, or you know, then through the coaching staff, you know, John Fern, even that you know we had on with us, you know, as as another backroom person, they were all bought into that same ethos as people, didn't they? And they're all, they're all good people. And the all good people that worked together and had the same belief and the same idea and the same passion, and it and it was like uh, it's just magic when it all comes together and works like that for a club like ours. And like you say, we're never going to have that again. Hopefully, we'll get back somewhere close to where we were, but I don't think it will ever be special like that. It'll just be a different. Yeah, um, you know, look at look at what's happening at, at Newcastle. That's mm. clearly. A lot of that is to do with with the money, uh, you know, same at, at Man City. Um, obviously, that's enabled them to bring in people like Eddie Howe. And I think he's done an amazing job yeah. there. But with, with Sir John Medeski, yes, it, it, was a, it was about money to an extent, but it was much more about um, the way that he ran the club. Really good example of, of a good way to run a club. Um, and community as well, wasn't it, Mark? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Yeah, it's about reading as the community in the town and everything else as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, my number one is um, Roger Smee. Um, and I'm going to kind of include people like Roy, 
Roy Tranter in this as well and all those directors. And, and the reason yeah. is because this is um, the t- a list of my choices for top five influential people, um, what Roger Smead did um, was find a way to block the proposed merger. If that hadn't have happened, if the merger had gone through, then um, we wouldn't have had a Reading Football Club. So we wouldn't have, have had all the success we had under mm-hmm. John Medeski. So that's why Roger Smee is my number one. And I'm singling out Roger Smee because he, he was the, you know, he was the figurehead. He put all that together. And mm-hmm. yes, um, my understanding is that Roy Tranter kind of um, delivered it, but it's the same, you know, that that's like saying the 106 team, um, you know, taking credit away from Steve Koppel as the manager. So, yeah. Roger Smee was the guy that put all that together. My my dad was involved as well. Um, you know, uh, Brian Roach, former Reading director. Um, he was involved in the publicity for Roger Smee, all that sort of thing. Roger Ware was who we've had on as a, as a guest, um, former Reading Chronicle sports editor. Um, I think that, you know, a few of the directors, I think, was it Colin Brooks? Um, one of the directors that was involved, um, I, I can't remember, but certainly Roy Tranter um, is one of the, the key men in there. He he was, I think he was one of the directors that um, spoke to Roger Smee. Um, but it was Roger Smee was like the manager of that team. He he was he wasn't just the figurehead. He made it all happen. Yeah. So without Roger Smee and all of those people. Um, 40 years ago, none of the rest of it would have happened. So that's why Roger Smee is my number one in terms of influential people at Reading. I completely understand why you've got Sir John Medeski at number one. It's kind of an obvious choice. I know that a lot of fans would would choose Sir John Medeski if they were doing their top five. Um, But that's why I've gone for, for Roger Smee. Johnny, is there anyone else um, that we haven't mentioned that you've thought of while we've been talking? No, I mean, like, geez, like, you know, that, you know, I was saying, like, you know, when you said Roger at number one, I was like, thank at least anyone on my list. So I was just going to come up with someone completely going on, oh, no, completely forgotten. But it, it, it's like, it's, you know, as I said, like, Roger, but like, you know, I said, like, Roger, without him, we wouldn't be a club. And no, um, I'm sure there is other people along the way that we're not doing a disservice to that you know, has played a massive part in Reading's history. And I think there's a lot of people that have worked behind the scenes in, you know, the administration that, you know, the normal day-to-day people that have been part of the club's history as well. Do you know that, Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that's huge. And that's what kept, you know, when Brian Trevor was saying, you know, people left under Ron Gawley that were the heart and soul of the club. And then we lost the heart and soul of the club from from that, you know, and that, those people are special people that knew the running of that club. Like Brian talks about, you know, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like that, that yeah. you can't buy that. You can't you can't just bring someone in and replace. Yeah. And if you remember back to our very first episode on on series one, you know, people like Andy West, okay, yeah. not not really an influential person as such, but in in terms of you know someone who's who's had a. a role to play the backroom staff yeah. you know anyone I, I i don't know the guy's name but i even remember elm park in the 80s i don't know if you remember him there was a steward who was at every every game 
Yeah, it's a huge, huge guy. He was probably about six foot seven. I don't quite a you know well built guy as well. And I just I don't I don't know what his name is. Somebody from you know supporting Reading in the eighties. Yeah. I don't remember, but people yeah. like that. Um, yeah, you know, and, and you mentioned you made a joke about um, Kingsley, but um, kind of everyone that's played their part has has been influential in in some way. Yeah, in a different way, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? That's, that's people, the people, you, people you the turnstiles, the... and you know, I, I mentioned before um, Catalyst. I mean, they yeah. they they've played their part in in the club's history. Uh, Mark McGee and Colin Lee coming in as a partnership, sort of Reading's version of Brian Clough and Peter Taylor in a way, where yeah. Mark McGee was the, the figurehead, but Colin Lee had a lot to do with the success of that team, and you know, almost going from what is League One straight up into the um the Premier League almost and would have yeah. you know second place would have been good enough any other season to go up automatically. Um there's a couple of others as well I was just thinking of them or we've been talking like you know from, from some supporters trust there's Merlin and Colin who have been doing the, the bus the uh, all the transport for years, you know, unsung heroes. They yeah. it sometimes but they do the nuts and bolts stuff of getting people to games. You know, it's it's not an it's not a you know attractive job but without them Again, you know, the support, you know, wouldn't be there for that. You know, people like that, people that have been part of the history. Do you know? And, do and you that's know, yeah. Do, do you know who I who I think we should crown the winner of this is is probably the Reading fans because <laughs> the, without without the the, the Reading fans, uh, in the same way that Roger Smee, former Reading player, came in and you know saved the club with the help of all those other people. Um, you know, without the fans, there wouldn't be a club. It, the the no. club the club belongs to the fans. So people like Sir John Medeski, people like Roger Smee, you know, all the successful managers, they've done that on behalf of the fans. The the yeah. fans the fans is the club. Yeah, uh, they got it, didn't they? Yeah. So the, I, I think one of the messages to the current owners is, you know, communicate with the fans, like Brian. Teverden spoke about that. He he communicated with people. He wasn't yeah. afraid. And and sometimes he's absolutely right. Sometimes when you come out and he, you explain the thinking behind some of the decisions, people go, oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. And they respect that. But that's one of the issues at the moment is we don't know what's going on. So we're we're going to like naturally draw some some of our own conclusions. And actually, I think it, Mark Bowen's doing, you know, he's starting to talk a bit more and he's getting there, yeah. but it, it, you know, it, it needs to be consistent. It needs to be, you know, yeah. about the issues that matter for fans, isn't it? And trying to give. Yeah. And you, you've got to engage with the fans because, um, you know, if, if the team's not winning on the pitch and it's not a good experience, you, you're not going to get fans going to the games. Um, you know, some, <laughs> some fans have, have come out, you know, and, and people could think what, what they want about it, but the season ticket, price rise some people are saying they're going to boycott um they're not going to buy a season ticket because they think it's outrageous that the price have, has gone up mm. you know it all, it all comes back to to the fans if if suddenly reading don't have any fans then there isn't a club so um so we'll 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 say it's so john medacy roger smee and the reading fans are the winners <laughs> that's a good way of summing it up yeah <laughs> All right, and Johnny, I, I do have to congratulate you because we're coming to the end of this this episode. 
Um, our our top was it top five seasons? Our top five seasons uh, went on for about an hour and a half, probably a bit too long. And your guess for this was forty five minutes, and you're you're spot on because we're we're at the Thank end. You so you've gone for Sir John Medeski as most influential person in Reading's history. I've gone for Roger Smee. Um, and, you know, we obviously talked about the importance of the fans as well. Um, so that's it for our Reading FC Top 100 series. So thanks, Johnny, for all your your thoughts on favourite players, managers. Been fun, mate. Enjoyed it. All that sort of thing. It's been interesting, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, Hard work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's just difficult sometimes to, to yeah. think. I mean, I, I was I was having kittens. Like I just confused myself. Like, do I put Ian Brownfoot number three? Do, you know, is he is he has he been more successful than Alan Pardew? Um, you know, and then in the end, you just have to make a decision. I was going, oh, geez, I don't want to offend anyone either. Like, I know. They're, all, like, they're all brilliant. They're all great. But I don't want to go, oh, geez, I can't like, like yeah. I'm upset Dylan Kerr by picking Nicky Shorey over him. Yeah, I still don't think he's forgiven me, so I'm kind of he's never, he's never ever letting you forget that. <laughs> never. That's the, the, he's going to remind you of that long after we stop yeah. doing the podcast. Yeah, that's for sure. But um, look, uh, so that's our Red FC Top 100 series. All of the episodes still available to watch on YouTube and to listen to wherever you get your podcasts. Um, so we talk about our favourite players. We talk about our, you know, um, favourite seasons, favourite games, managers, and our most influential people. If there's anyone else you can think of that we haven't mentioned and why we should have done, um, please feel free to to get in touch and we'll we'll give them a a shout out. Um, but guests coming up um, tomorrow, Wednesday uh, from six pm onwards, Andy Bernal, former Reading defender. Then on Thursday from six pm onwards, Reading women's defender Lily Woodham, and Friday evening Limvoy Primus. Surprise, surprise, from six pm onwards. Um, and you can watch all of our series episodes on YouTube. And we're starting to um, put some of the Series 1 episodes um, on YouTube because Series 1 was audio only. We've still got some, not all of the recordings from Series 1, but we have got some. So we're going to be putting out some of those um, as uh, YouTube videos as well, just as kind of bonus episodes. But that's it for our Reading FC Top 100 series and our top five influential people in Reading's history. So thanks for that, Johnny. And um, see you on tomorrow's episode with Andy Bernal. Absolutely. Been fun. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.